What goes on inside the mind of the Singapore consumer? The Kiasunomics podcast series unravels the way Singaporeans behave across different domains like spending, transport, environment, superstition, schooling, and housing markets. Backed by multiple research studies, NUS Business School professors examine the quirks, psychology, and mechanics behind the daily economic decisions of Singaporeans. Welcome to another episode of Kiasunomic Podcast. So today I want to talk about peer effects. We know peer effects are very important in life. Lots of evidence suggests that the reason people start smoking or drinking or taking drugs or actually doing any other activities, children learn from each other about doing homework or the way they talk to each other or what foods they decide to eat, all is because the peer effects they experience in various locations. I mean, peers influence us to do many things. But it's rather difficult to isolate if this is peer effects that are causing you to do something or it could be something, some other factors. So imagine that the reason somebody started smoking, is it because their friends smoke or is it because they all hang out together near locations where it's easy to buy cigarettes? Or there is a shopkeeper who gives cigarettes on credit. So it, it's difficult to disentangle. Did my friend push the cigarettes onto me to smoke? Or was it the shopkeeper who was also selling it to my friend, but also I could realize that I could just get a pack of cigarettes from the shopkeeper without paying for it now. And then once I got addicted, the shopkeeper realized now he's addicted, he'll pay, the, pay for it anyway. So we wanted to see if we can document peer effects in terms of spending. I mean, you can think of something like you're in the HTV elevator, you saw somebody walking around with a bag of groceries, and these bag of groceries for, from, are from an expensive grocery store. You look at that, you feel like, oh, I also need to start buying groceries from that same grocery store, they're healthier, or you saw some but in your parking lot, parking a Mercedes, and you feel like, oh, I should buy a Mercedes too. And that's the kind of peer effects we think about every day in our life. When you hear a friend say, I went to Maldives for a vacation, you also feel like, oh, I need to go to Maldives. Uh, because if I live in the same building, these are the people hanging out in Maldives, I need to be also be there because that's the lifestyle I want to live or have a comparable lifestyle to them. Again, documenting this is difficult because I don't know if the reason you're going to Maldives is because your friend told you or because you also got a bonus that month and it's the bonus that drove you to go to Maldives. We started look, thinking about this question in the context of Singapore and then we said, how would we go about it? So first thing we said, let's look for some shocks that people may be experiencing in a building and then see what happens to other people in the same building. Do they respond to that? To be more concrete, imagine that somebody in your building declared bankruptcy. 
Now that person declared bankruptcy, obviously they will have a negative income shock. I mean, they have no income anymore. Lots of their ability to spend has gone away. Uh, so they're they not spending money on anything. They're not going out shopping. They're not going on vacations. They're not going on expensive dinners anymore. Now, you might also not go out to shop in expensive uh, grocery stores or, 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 or restaurants because your peer is not doing it. Now, this peer could be in various ways you can experience that. That could be a friend because they are your friend and you say, let's go for dinner. And they say, no, I can't go for dinner anymore. I'm not, I don't have money. Alternatively, they are not your friends. You just see them in the elevator once in a while. And now you don't see them carrying that expensive grocery bag anymore. They, they are walking around with their uh, groceries from a cheaper store. So then you observe them and say, oh, I don't need to compete with them anymore because they don't go to the same grocery store. So I can also uh, kind of buy cheaper groceries or don't go to the same restaurants anymore that they used to go to. So those are the kind of things this thing allows us because the bankruptcy was an external event to them. And now I can see how the other people in the building respond to that. So what we did is we collected data over the last 10 years of bankruptcies by building, and we had around 1,600 plus bankruptcies in different buildings. Around 1,600 buildings, we had bankruptcy incidences. And then we started thinking about what is happening to the people who live in those buildings and their spending habits. So on average, we found around nine or 10 people who lived in the same building in our consumer credit data that we collected from DBS. So essentially, we know that within a building of a bankrupt person, we have around 10 other people living there. But we also know in the neighboring building, which could be anywhere from 200 meters away to one kilometer away, we also know if there are eight or nine or 10 people living in these buildings. So we started comparing before the bankruptcy event and after the bankruptcy event, what is the spending behavior of the people living in the same building relative to close by buildings? And what we find is that on average, each individual living in that building where there was a case of bankruptcy reduces their spending by around 3%. Now realize, I'm saying on average, everybody is reducing their spending by 3%. That is quite significant because typically what you should be doing, your spending or your decision making should depend on your own income, not on what is happening to your peer who lives in that building. You may not even know them. I mean, you just observe them and you're still responding. Once we go away, around 200 meters away from this building or one kilometer away, we find no effect. Essentially, the peer effect dies right away. I mean, it's confined to the building that you live in and the people living in other buildings don't experience any such effects. You can think about other potential reasons, but what we started then looking at where the peer effects will be more impactful. So we started comparing if the bankrupt person was a male, what is happening to the spending response of the males in that building? If the bankrupt person was male and young, what was the effect 
for male and young in that building? What if the bankrupt person was male, young, and Malay? What was the effect of male, young, and Malay in that building? And as you start comparing closer and closer peers to the bankrupt person, so essentially we are looking at people who would be of similar age group, similar gender, similar race, assuming that these are the people who hang out with each other are, and are friends, this effects become larger and larger. So it's not 3% anymore, it can go as high as around 10%. So essentially, your consumption will drop by 10% going forward on a monthly basis for the peers who are closely related to the person who declared bankruptcy. We also find this effect is not just confirmed, confined to one or two people. Essentially, everybody in our data experiences a peer effect that lasts for six, seven months subsequent to the person declaring bankruptcy. I mean, we don't have data much longer. If we had data for the next three, four years, I, I'm pretty sure that this effect will be persistent just because getting out of bankruptcy is not a very quick event. It takes years for somebody to recover from such a negative shock-like bankruptcy. You wonder, I mean, as an economist, I'm always wondering, look, I found this effect. Is this confounded with other things? Maybe other things are driving this, uh, this result. One thing could be that the bank is responding to it. The bank realizes there's somebody who declared bankruptcy in this building. So maybe we should reduce credit limit for other people who live in that building because they may also have similar background, they may be coming from working in the same company, they may be doing same businesses, and the bank realizes if one person declared bankruptcy, it's likely that other people will declare bankruptcy, and so we should tighten our credit policy. In Singapore, that should not be the case because in Singapore, uh, people, diverse people live in, live in the same HDB buildings, and it's not like all people who work in the same company live in the same building, so they, they have correlated shocks that if one person declared bankruptcy because they were not doing well a job, other people will also experience the same things. That's just not the case for Singapore. But still, we wanted to test this out. What we do not find is any evidence that the, the people who are, other people who are living in the building have any correlated shocks like that. Uh, so that kind of eliminates this idea that there could be some correlated shocks that everybody's experiencing, and that's why you know uh, they are they're they're declaring bankruptcy. And so we find no effect on the bank's role in reducing credit to other people in that building. There could be other things that could be going on. I mean, as I said, I mean one of the mechanisms could be that your close friends and you observe your close friends. And because of that, you, uh, you st stop consuming. Alternatively, you're not close friends. You just are acquaintances or you just see each other in the elevator. And because of that, you are reducing your spending. Now, those things are a little harder to disentangle from each other. But we actually derive some mechanisms to separate these two stories out in the data. And we found that, look, both could be happening. I mean, it, it, I can't conclusively say, look, the only people who are reducing spending in that building are people who observe each other from a distance and not close friends. I think both these effects are there. We can't say which one dominates or which one is bigger. What we can say is an other alternative story could be that 
maybe there is some insurance effect. Uh, what do I mean by that? That I declare bankruptcy in a building, my friends feel like, oh, we need to help this guy out. So they give me some of their money in the same building. And because of that, their spending goes down because now they have less money because they gave some of their money to me. We find no evidence of that. There is some risk sharing or risk pooling aspect where the other people gave me their money. As a result, their consumption dropped. There is no transfer of money happening as far as we can see by tracing the data between individuals living in that building. So I hope you can see how peer effects work and how we can trace out these peer effects across individuals. At least this was in the sense of consumption, but you can think of peer effects in investments. How do we learn from each other of, of investment strategies? If I see a peer in one building investing in certain kinds of stocks, do I also pick those stocks and do I also benefit by picking those stocks? You can also see peer effects in durable good purchases, like if I buy a, a, a Mercedes or a Porsche, do I see my neighbors also buying similar cars? This is applicable in many domains. I mean, some of this research many people will conduct in the context of Singapore and find how this plays out. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. Stay tuned as we bring you more interesting research-based insights on a wide range of topics in business and economics. Subscribe to our channel now.